0: Voices is a production of 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. It is our way of letting the voices of our neighbors be heard. Any opinions and views expressed are those of the speakers only and not necessarily those of Midcoast Radio Project, KKFI,
1: board, staff, or volunteers. Hi, this is Dr. Caroline Davies. I'm an associate professor of geosciences in the Department of Earth and Environmental Science at UMKC. I'm the director of the Environmental Studies Program, and I teach climate change among a number of environmental topics. And uh, we need to get over whether climate is changing. It is, and things are going extinct, and it's now time for action. We need to make informed decisions on things that are going to benefit the whole planet, but also our local environment. And so I would encourage you to become knowledgeable in these subjects, read, vote for the environment, for the people, policies that are pro-environment, eat less meat, accumulate less stuff, and I would get involved. There are lots of different organizations across Kansas City that are involved in environment and its effect on Uh, social justice and environmental justice, and people need to be able to see the connection between our changing climate and its impacts on our city. So get involved. This is Dr. Caroline Davies for Community Voices on KKFI 90.1 FM.
2: The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers.
3: Gratitude goes out to you today for listening to Eco Radio KC on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is a locally made exploration into positive solutions to some of today's ecological challenges for all of us working to create a healthier future for our communities and for the world you live in.
0: Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. My name is Darnell. Today on Eco Radio Casey, host Richard Mabian and his co host Rich Gutowski will speak with their guests Diana Bryant, Mid America Regional Council, Mark, Solid Waste Management District Program Manager, and Mark Hillenbrand, founder of Hedgegate Hill. What day is better than the birthday of MLK to bring such a conversation? Conversation. After all, the words and deeds of Martin Luther King Jr. continue to inspire us. His call for justice and equality has changed the world, and this extends to a commitment to fight climate change. We celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. not only for his leadership in the civil rights movement, but also for his unwavering dedication to a just cause, and we have one: climate justice. MLK said... We we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. In today's world, this statement is the call for a just transition to a sustainable planet Earth. We are going to use this day to commit ourselves to taking action. Richard Mavian will speak about the community-based concern for an independent pathway out of poverty. Mark has chosen to pursue the community owned waste exchange, a beginning step to put the low income portion of population into a pathway out of poverty program. Mark Hillenbrand will show us how to find volunteers as teachers needed to train those who could become paid instructors in the program. Rich Gutowski will address the long range of employment possibilities. This is about efforts to keep recyclables out of landfills by turning them into income-producing products. Ecoradio supports the work for a future in which humans flourish as members of a thriving ecosphere. We are all in this together, and it will take all of us to make the world safe for human habitation for millennia to come. We are glad to encourage awareness and to protect our world. Our goal is to ensure our listeners are aware of how we can create a sustainable, present for a sustainable future. This will be a great radio hour. Now our show.
3: Okay, Richard, let's go. All right, good evening, everyone. It's it a thrill for me to be here. I'm not for sure. This might be my first Martin Luther King show here on Eco Radio, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I, I made sure I got the date before I even knew what I was going to do, just because uh, I felt like it was time for what we have accomplished, me and my my, my host over here, Rich, uh, as we move forward. And and we've made some tremendous strides. And uh, you heard them saying we have Mark uh, 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 involved with us now. And uh, I'm going to introduce uh, Diana here in a second. And and we also have a framer that, that can take what Rick and I come up with in our out-of-box way of thinking to put it back into some kind of format that uh, will cause other folks to see it and realize this is maybe something we should be doing. But before I go to our show, I want to stop like I always do when there is something going on in our our environment, whether it's local, national, Mm -hmm. or international, to make sure our eco-radio show is telling our people, the people who listen to us, to make sure you understand what we are dealing with. So Terry brought it up, and I'm, I'm a, and I'm glad to have Diana here. She's going to chime in with her, and we're going to take a couple of minutes here uh, to just kind of explain what's happening in our environment. Terry?
4: Well, I wanted to say that what we're experiencing are extreme weather events, and we've had that this year in the summer. The record shows this is the hottest year ever recorded in any weather records. And now this is an ex- a period, a many multi-day period of extreme cold weather. I believe it's polar vortex. And so because the ice caps are melting, they're becoming warmer. It moves the jet stream farther south. And the Arctic air, understand, listeners, it's this cold in the North Pole all the time. But we're not used to this. I can remember a day, a time, this cold two years ago we had it. The time before that in 88. So uh, everybody stay as warm as they can. This is extreme cold weather. Say
3: that name again. It's what now? A polar
4: vortex. Vortex. Diana, you want to come in and share a little bit?
5: Well, and you can see how this kind of climate change doesn't affect everybody equally, right? I mean, the cost to heat your house, the cost of keeping your vehicles running in this kind of weather, I mean, those kinds of impacts don't affect everybody equally. And this is the experience that we're going to have with climate climate change and climate extremes is that it is going to cause a lot more stress and uh, financial stress as well as just physical stress on people that are exposed out there, the homeless, the unhoused, but also people living in substandard housing that isn't weatherized appropriately.
3: Hey, gang, I wanted to make sure we touch base with everyone to make sure you stop and pay attention to this, not just wrapping up with towels and blankets and wearing three and four or five different pair of pants. But at the same time, realize what's happening in our environment. And and, and if you got a chance to go look it up, look it up. I mean, and and if you got young people around, make sure you're explaining it to them. Because this is where the learning has to come from. The learning has to start at home. The learning has to start in our day-to-day environments, in our communities. So that's why I wanted to stop before we went further to get started with the show. Now, on with the show. And this is we're about as organized as as an organized can be, I wish. Rick,
2: come on on here and say hello. Let me get you on. Well, um, hello everybody. Happy Martin Luther King Day. I guess this is our um, our reward for doing Christmas night. We get to do Martin Luther King Day. Oh so yeah, yeah. Like, you don't have a that. choice. It's <laughs> an honor to be here. Richard.
3: Yeah, I'm glad you're here, buddy. Uh, Mark, uh, you have come on in uh, and, and and introduce yourself.
6: Yes, thank you, Richard. And uh, Mark Hillenbrand here, a social worker, and uh, so grateful to be here on Emma, uh, Martin Luther King Day in that he was calling us forth to a community. And uh, my background is social work and understanding the inherent worth of, of every individual and how that comes together and plays in community development. So I'm really excited to talk about the the topic that we've got today which is um jobs development um, in the low income community and also connecting that through the environment and waste stream so 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 forward looking looking forward to today's discussion
3: okay now diana hold on i'm gonna give a little little build up for coming into you being here and for you people out there who have been listening to our shows, or
0: if you haven't, I'm
3: going to kind of paint a picture here for you. Uh, this guy out here named Rich, who uh, uh, is down in Dallas right now, uh, uh, he and I got introduced and I said it was God sent that we came in touch with each other. Uh, he is a businessman. He has a Business background and he's the caliber of person that understands the do's and don'ts of creating a business. And the reason that he and I hooked up is because in my work, I discovered that the kind of employment opportunities that are needed within our low income community is not ones of working for someone because there's a image. Of working for the man that we need to overcome. And when I talk in terms of we, I'm not talking about me and my folks. I'm talking about the 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 folks in the communities who have suffered the consequences of being low income and black in this country. And so we want to try to start working on how can we find a way to put people to work. And that's been my driving force for the last three, four years since I met up with Rick. He's with me on this and we're looking for ways and finding ways and dealing with folks that will be able to come in and make this happen. And then that's why we got Mark. Mark is a framer. He's been in this social service world. He sounds like those people you hear on TV talking about social service concerns. He's got it down. He's been doing that. And so we know that we need someone to be able to explain to other folks what it is we're talking about. You know, I'll be using words like H E W L, and Terry will be pointing fingers at me and stuff because y'all know who I am if you listen to me in this show so here we are we're moving forward we're getting meeting people we are getting things done and then all of a sudden i get a call from mark mid-america regional council a lady wanted to know if i could be a keynote speaker for him december the 14th and you know and, and and this was dealing with waste management you know we dealing with environmental justice we dealing with all these kind of things but this is an individual program and you know waste management for me is when the, the 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 weekly folks go by and don't pick up my recyclables and it's sitting out there right now from last Tuesday cuz of the snowstorm so that's what I know about recyclables and people Dropping trash and tires and that kind of crap in the neighborhoods, But they wanted to go deeper than that, so I went down and spoke. And they had just hired a lady, this lady that's sitting here with us now. Say hi to them, Diana. Hello. There she is. So that lets you know she is here. And I'm going to let her tell you about herself when we go into her. Because I started this show differently, I'm going to have to watch my time here. Uh let me see where I'm at. 612. Are we supposed to be taking a break at six what? 17? Okay. So we got four 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 minutes here. And so we decided we we all of a sudden they're coming to me and they got a plan. They got a plan of how to create some employment opportunities in the inner city. Quinn Darrow. Now you know that just thrilled me to death and so we started talking about it and as it started to evolve we've only had one real meeting on it and that was last thursday so that gave us a chance to get a kind of a concept of what it is we want to do so diane before we take this break i'm gonna give you a couple of minutes here just share what it was that you brought to us and then we'll get it or she says i got five that's great then We'll get into it when we come back. Just share a little bit about what you came to me with.
5: Right. So my job is to keep things out of the landfill. I mean, nobody likes landfills. And as humans, we buy stuff, we use it, and we throw it away. I mean, that's kind of our culture. We don't hang on to things uh, that were used up. And all of that stuff goes into the landfill. And so that's not environmentally good for anybody. And so what you see in that effort is you see a lot of effort towards recycling, right? Taking those plastic things and the paper and the cardboard and the stuff that can be made into something else. But we throw away a lot of stuff that is still usable right i mean there's people that have garage sales and what they don't sell they just put out at the curb and it ends up being hauled off to the landfill there's a lot of good stuff out there that could be used again maybe it needs to be repaired maybe it's electronic and it needs to be fixed sometimes people just don't care about doing those repairs, or they just want to go get something new instead. But there's a lot of opportunity to make money off of these things. Thrift stores do it all the time. Charities do it. Used furniture stores, used appliance stores. A lot of people on Facebook Marketplace are already kind of doing this kind of business, right? It's not always about working for somebody else. Some of it is being your own person, finding a way to take this trash and turn it into somebody else's treasure, and how do we go about making this more of a of an activity in the community so that's what I asked Richard about It's like how can we make this a community activity
3: activity what happened is during my presentation on the fourteenth, I was telling them that I had been asked by some department of labor people about where is the twenty five to fifty four year old Group, They saw them as being missing in action. And they said, you know, they thought they was either disabled in school or in jail. And so they did a a, a study and found out, no, that's not where they were. And then they they asked me, Richard, since you out there on the front line, do you have any idea where this group is? I said, do you ever see these people that drive in front of the trash truck every day? and they're picking up the salvageables that are out there on the streets. I said, though, that is where those people went. And that brought that group into the conversation. And I said, they have threw their hands up. They are tired of the way the world of the work is going. And they've made that statement about, I'm not gonna take it anymore, I'm through. I'd rather be a handyman. I'd rather paint houses, (laughs) fix roofs, cut grass the kind of jobs that you can get where I can be self-employed. Uh, that's where that group has gone. We need them in the workforce. So that's why I told them we're doing everything we can to attract the attention of that group. I call them Uncle Bob's, Aunt Mary's, that group that we don't see anymore. They're looking for independence, and they're getting it is what they're out there doing. Well, because I said that in the meeting, That caused Diane then, who had just, who got hired to do this, to make contact with me to say, wait a minute. Let's talk. We like that group you're talking about. And that's what got us to where we are. I did good, y'all. I got, she got one finger up. Let me know it's a minute before we go on break. So when we come back, we're going to pick it up from here and take it into the meat of what we're trying to do. This is Richard Mabian, at KKFI 90.1 FM. We'll be back. Tune in every third Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. for the People Power Hour brought to you by KC Tenants. Every episode will address different aspects of the tenant struggle and America's problematic history with housing by providing in-depth historical analysis, testimonials, and stories from leaders who organize in their communities and who envision a better world where housing is treated as a human right. So please tune in every third Thursday of the month at 7 p.m.
1: for the People Power Hour, brought to you by KC Tenants. Homelessness in Kansas City is up 37%. You can join Restart, Inc. by visiting the Kansas City Museum to view the road home. This exhibit shares stories, incredible portraits, and video of 18 Restart participants as they share their journeys from homelessness to housing. You can visit restartinc.org for more information.
3: It's your turn again, Richard. All righty, I'm back again, gang, and I'm going right back into it. What I have, what I'm gonna do is is, is read to you which what I, what they sent to me, and then we'll go from there. They call it a community-owned waste exchange that in itself caught my attention and then it goes located near resilience hubs in a storefront or a big box store building a circular economy i've been hearing that a lot lately so rick i want you to make sure that you say something about that as you go down the line a circular economy facility with a maker space tool lending repair cafe resale shop and off location for used broken furniture, appliances, tools, equipment, supplies, and workshop. Pretty much what Diana was saying. And that's Diana Bryan, by the way, folks. That's her last name. And it's a multi multi-gener- generational workshop where knowledge and materials are exchanged. Okay, let's go. Talk to me about it, Diana.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, in Europe, they in progressive companies countries, they actually have this as part of their zero waste planning, right? Is that we don't want things just to be thrown away. We want to keep them in use. And if you haven't noticed, like old furniture is made a lot better than new furniture. And so some of these things really have a life that could go on if somebody would make some repairs or paint them or fix them up a little bit. I come from a family of kind of reusers, And so that's kind of normal for me to uh, do what some people call upcycling, taking something, painting it, fixing it, uh, reusing it. And we do not in America focus on that reuse to the extent that we need to. And some of it is people don't have the skills often. Uh, Maybe your grandfather knew how to do a lot of carpentry work and maintenance equipment, but those skills haven't always been passed on. And our modern work sites don't really teach people those things to the extent that we used to know how to do that. So there needs to be this knowledge passed on to other generations, how to fix things, how to make things last longer, how to repair them. Uh, Makerspaces are great places for people who have ideas about wanting to make something but they don't have the tools and the equipment. So having some place that's accessible that if you got a great idea about like maybe what we could do with old plastic bottles to turn them into something new, how would you build the equipment to do that? And makerspaces provide those Repair cafes, you can Google that and there are all over the world these spaces where people that know how to fix things invite people to bring their broken stuff and then they fix them and they learn how to repair things. So we don't have things like that in the Midwest. We need more of those. We need a space where people can come together, work together, exchange their skills, but also find the tools and the materials that will help them Repair these things, their own stuff. But the next step is to take the stuff that other people are throwing away, repairing that and selling that. There's an economic opportunity here to take these throwaways and actually turn them into some money uh, through reselling these goods. Um, I, I, love it.
3: I love it. And that's what they're doing right now. Now, Rich, okay, we got a two-edged sword here and and, and, uh, I want to make sure that we're not limiting ourselves to just those people who can only be involved in like a a community-owned place for the learning skills to create an income. We know we have a need for that to be done. People need skills and learn skills, but we also are looking for a way to to eventually be able to move into creating the employment opportunities for the people who have skills that have been overlooked because those jobs don't exist in what would be considered the kind of environment
2: they would choose to live in. So can you help me out here? I'm not sure where you're going with it exactly. Well, I'll just go with you. <laughs> so so once again, the the other reason that Richard and I connected was because people thought we were crazy because we thought you could do good. You could treat people really well in our businesses and still make money. So Richard was paying three times minimum wage and he was winning contracts and he was treating people with dignity and respect. And um, when you have a motivated workforce like that, it's a competitive advantage. And then I did something similar in my business. People told me that would never work, you know, but when you treat your employees really, really well, you and you invest in them. And in my case, I actually put some of my employees into their own business and I became their partner. So I call that building wealth horizontally. Right. So everybody talks about job training and workforce development but we don't talk enough about workplace development and rethinking what business should really be. So my capitalist friends consider me a socialist because I talk about your businesses really for the benefit of the community. But my socialist friends say I'm a capitalist because I, I don't like community-owned things. <laughs> I know how hard it is to run a business and there's gotta be someone that takes it by the scruff of the neck and, and runs with it, who's an entrepreneur and is gonna make those decisions that other people don't agree with. By the same token, my mentor believes in co-ops so and I'm part of a co-op. so there's got to be enough uh, synergy there's got to be enough opportunity within this economic this new economic development that's coming guys it's, it is it is coming where all of these different ideas can work together uh, co- collaboratively so we can agree to disagree we can we can we can go and, and, and test an idea and see if it works, and and be humble enough to say, you know what? I was wrong. (laughs) So if we can do that, I think that's great. And and the last thing I'm going to say, because it's Martin Luther King Day, he changed the world with that I have a dream speech. He created an aspirational goal that we could go to. And I think the aspirational goal in today's environment is we need to restore ownership of local productive assets to the people that live in the community. So I, I, I want individuals in the community to own a business, not necessarily the community to own it, right? It becomes communism and that's a whole nother issue. But, but that aspirational goal has to be not just a good job, not um, just ownership, but ownership of a business where every business in the, in, the, in the base of the pyramid community is at school. And that's Gary Wilson's father's idea. Yep. So that's really what it's about. And we need to change jobs and business ownership from just making a living for my family to, to changing the system of how we live and how we relate to one another. So on a Martin Luther King Day, we got to be aspirational in what we're talking about. That's great. About.
3: That's great. Okay. So here we go. I uh, found an article that was out and, uh, and, and, and I'm going to lay it out. I'm going to discuss it here and we'll pick it back up after our next break but it had to deal with the wealth it it, it it was from Brookings you know I'm a Brookings reading person and the, the, the article was black wealth is increasing but so is the racial wealth gap and then associated with that article they had a graph and they said a closer look at the data both of these articles smacked me in the face one because the people in the picture that they showed with it, that was making money was black middle class great looking family beautiful kids they even got a grandfather in there it looks like he's part of the the wealth generation in other words it's not starting from scratch like we got out here in our world today in much of our low-income communities but then they show this thing about the data of the wealth chart. And then that's when I decided it was perfect for having Martin Luther King today, because the white community, the Hispanic community, and the other communities, and then the black communities are shown on this chart. And as they say, the white community is huge. The Hispanic community is not huge, but higher than black community. And the black community is almost non-existent. If you ever get a chance to see this chart, if you look up that story on Brookings, black wealth is increasing, but so is the racial wealth divide. You will be amazed at the lack of black wealth. And I'm going, that's where we need to go. Martin Luther King calls me as a black person to end up having the dignity and self-respect that I have to be able to create those kind of businesses Rick was talking about that I had created. But now it's time for us to go to the next step and start creating ways for people in the community to be able to begin creating some businesses. I agree, Rick. It's not about the community-owned But this program we're talking about is I consider it the beginning steps of people feeling free. And that's what they got when they worked for me. It was the beginning steps of people feeling free, having to make decisions, making a mistake without worrying about getting getting fired. We need to have a place for that kind of, of, I hate to use the word training, but opportunity to exist. Going back to Gary Wilson's father, he was a fireman, and if I'm not mistaken, his fire chief is on the line listening at this program. Uh, He said that every business in the inner city should be a school to teach people how to be in business. And that's what I see this this community-owned waste exchange as becoming for us. And when we come back, we're going to be able to talk about the kind of things that we're going to be looking for to make this start. This is not an end results area here. We're at the beginning of something that we want to be able to create that would be the beginning steps of a pathway out of property. Now, I'm going to, Mark, when I come back in and you are our leader in our side of the story with Diana, okay? Do we want to, we'll, you ain't going to ever keep me and Rick shut up. But I want to make sure that that kind of conversation we want people to hear, that it's coming from you two. You got that? All right. I mean, uh, uh, what say something, Mark. She say, she's got three fingers on me.
6: Yeah, I, I'm. Um, what, what's coming up for me is, uh, and, and Rich kind of touched upon it, is the the importance of uh, uh, ownership and ownership in business and the ability to generate wealth. And this this new economy is coming, and the the new economy is also going to impact the social service industry. And what what we want to do is we want to empower people rather than be a place to um, uh, you know, just to, to, to assist. But, but social work is about connecting to the inherent worth of the individual and helping them become successful and um, develop generational wealth. And so I think that's that's part of what we're doing here in, in connected with the waste reduction for the environment. And the, uh, the, 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 the change in the economic system where we're, we're going to see a change with so much wealth at the top and very little at the bottom. And the fierce urgency of now that, that Martin Luther King talked about is the importance of to create a multiracial democratic populism to battle the power of wealth. And so I think I'm really looking forward to the, this discussion. All right, you did good, buddy. All right, gang. This is Richard Maybe, and we're here at Eco Radio, and we
3: got to take a we got a lot, much longer break this time, but we will be back. Ninety point one FM.
2: Hi, this is Maria
5: Hall, co-host of Lawn Disorder. Thank you for joining us on Tuesday mornings, nine a.m. here on KKFI ninety point one FM in beautiful Kansas City, Missouri. We're now moving to Monday, 7 p.m. as of January, 2024. That's Monday, 7 p.m. Lawn Disorder will be now broadcasting Monday evening, 7 p.m. So keep it locked in right here to KKFI 90.1 FM.
0: KKFI is rolling out a new programming schedule in early 2024. This new schedule will feature more new music shows starting at noon, with a few of the public affairs and arts programmings moving to a new time slot. The new schedule will broadcast music from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., Monday through Friday. So stay tuned as we'll share more information about the new programming schedule soon.
7: Welcome to World Ocean Radio. I'm Peter Neal, Director of the World Ocean Observatory. Let's talk about recycling. The idea is certainly not new in that for millennia humans have maintained and reused tools and resources as part of an essential economy based on what is available, what is the need. How do we turn bad trash into good cash? Here are some thoughts. First, what if we refrain from creating the trash at all by conserving or using less of the things that enabled its making? Use less plastic by not using plastic bags, rejecting plastic packaging, substituting reusable containers, glass, not Tupperware, for just one example. These small individual protests and many more such similar actions are easily done now by any of us and our families at home. Second, what if we recycle more by insisting that all plastics be recycled, that all engine oil and fast-food frying fat be recycled, that all manufactured items be made of recyclable products or, if not, carry a penalty deposit for the true cost of their safe disposal? What if we held corporations responsible for their industrial waste? Enforced, not diluted or contradicted regulations justified by the right of the public to be protected from such premeditated impacts on human health. Some of these have been tried and successful until they are subverted by the narrowest interest that asserts mean shareholder return over basic human rights. These too are achievable through political will. Finally, what if we built a new economy on a recycling ethic? A price or tax structure built on the inherent value of reuse? The concept that an item is more valuable if it can be used longer or can be reused for a process and production that exploits and affirms its economic basis again and again in a cycle of maximum utility and return? What if it costs more, not less, to purchase a non-recyclable item built from a waste-based process? This would not be a new principle on Earth. It, too, is achievable as the revival of a principled behavior that attacks waste at its irresponsible, anti-social core. Without substantive recycling, in these ways or others, we perpetuate waste. Waste is excess. Excess is pollution. Pollution dirties our air corrupts our land, fouls our water, poisons our ocean, and diminishes our future.
5: World Ocean Radio is produced by the World Ocean Observatory in association with WERU-FM, Blue Hill, Maine. World Ocean Radio is distributed by the Public Radio Exchange and the Pacifica Network. Find our podcast on iTunes and at (music) worldoceanobservatory.org.
3: Okay, uh, this is Richard Mabian again, and this is our final session. And uh, boy, it's gonna be a good one because I'm gonna let these people with the know-how get busy here on us. There's one thing I haven't talked to them about, and we need to figure out if somebody's listening, and hears something, and want to participate. You know, how can they? Who do they call? You know, uh, when you when you're talking, if it's your 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 place of business or work and you want to leave that number, that's fine if you can do that. Uh, Terry, you know how to handle us as far as people getting in touch with us. You know how to deal with that. So I'm going to get that out there first, and so here we go. Uh, Diana, get us started.
5: Okay, well, I'll say I'm proud to be maladjusted, and my favorite MLK quote is that the saving of our world from pending doom will come, not through the complacent adjustment of the conforming majority, but, through the creative maladjustment of a nonconforming minority, so I'm proud to be maladjusted and and to think about trash and how we can make money off of trash seems kind of wrong headed right, because this is something that we don't think is worth anything, but that's exactly the opportunity that exists is that we make a lot of this, and it is around, and it can be turned into some type of profitable use, reuse, as the ad that just yes, came on before game. we got perfect back, game. right? So yes. how do we make this happen? And some of it comes through people's involvement, right? It, it is something that we need people that want to see this kind of vision happen to be willing to get involved, get involved as seamstresses that will help other people learn how to sew, as Uh, repair people who know how to fix things, as carpenters that know how to help, you know, repair furniture, upholsters, all of these skills that used to exist that people knew how to do are fading away. I mean, these have not been passed on from generation to generation. You don't find upholstery stores around. You don't find the places where this work gets done. It's hard to get shoes repairs or anything mended, right? And so we need to acquire these skills again. We need to relearn these things that our grandparents knew how to do all of the time, that kept them from having to buy things new all the time because they knew how to keep using things over and over again and keep them around. And so how do we get that back from having lost it, right? And that seems to be very different than our modern society promotes which is go buy new and yes. we need people who know how to do these things and i would be happy if anybody is a passion and sees some promise in this idea uh, my email is d bryant b-r-y-a-n-t at org. corg um, and you can find me there and i would love to hear your ideas because i think there's brilliant people out there with wonderful ideas and a passion for doing this work and would like to see their communities thrive through not having to buy new stuff all the time.
6: And, and I think this is, this is Mark talking and, and you brought up an interesting um, a thought in, in my mind, Diana, in that um, we're losing some of the knowledge that we had in our, our culture and community. And through joining an effort like this, in the beginning, as we get going, there's gonna be volunteers But we have elders out there with incredible wealth of knowledge and skill and that is that are carrying the history that us younger folks uh, don't remember. And so to involve those people in these efforts will bring up discussions and bring up opportunities. And so the important part is building that alliance across um, age groups, across um, cultures, income. So we all come together to do this improving work that's
3: when you know you're saying that and it makes me think about my involvement in the community i have seen senior groups uh that that that, that get together and, and make pillows and, and 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 blankets and those those blankets where you got different color squares that you sew them or crochet them to, together and 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 i've even seen them when they use that 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 needle and doing people dresses and and and, and shawls unbelievable talent i just blows my mind that these people exist and need and would love to be in a position to teach others how to do that kind of stuff so i agree with both of you Mark, I, I'd like for you to leave your, your, your mailing address, too, because I want them to talk to someone like you if they call in instead of me, because I got so many subjects and they go crazy just listening to me go, go through the different subjects. But you have a purpose. That's
6: why you're here. Yep. So uh, Mark Hillenbrand and my email address is mark, M-A-R-K, at com. And uh, like I said in the, in the introduction, I'm a social worker and work in systems and really am interested in helping communities. And so whatever community problems we're working with um, to bring um, improvement across the, the community.
3: OK. You know, Rick is sitting there and he's not saying a whole lot, but he is a handyman uh, He <laughs> on one of his excursions. That brought him through Kansas City, and he ran out of gas he's he's kind of like that. He had a truck that he had got that he was using to take on a trip, and he completely rebuilt that dead gum inside of that truck. I mean on his own. I sit and watched him I do, I learned a long time ago to keep my hands off stuff. I'll make big mistakes he in front of me did that truck up and had it fixed up with a place to sleep. And he he didn't have to get motel, hotel rooms. He just stayed in his truck and do what he had to do. But he's got those
2: skills too. And that's what we're talking about. Well, hold on, Richard. I got two things I got to say about that. Number one, I don't have those skills. But on YouTube, you can learn just about everything. I literally learned every single thing from watching YouTube. So that's how I built that truck, just watching YouTube videos. But, um, but you know, I, I have a little bit of experience with this makerspace. And um, everybody thinks, um, and Diane, I just I'm, I'm going to expand your horizon a little bit. I'm a distributor. So I make money getting product to people. And that's what Amazon does. Amazon doesn't make anything. They make their money getting the product to the people. So when we were doing something like this in Patterson, and I, I want to talk about the big picture. So the reason I believe that a uh, base of the pyramid, low-income communities ha- are low-income, is that the, re- the energy and the resources and the knowledge go out of the community very quickly. And they go up to the top of the wealth pyramid and they stay up there and then they come back down with a bunch of strings attached. And they take the ideas from the community. And when they come out of the community, they get distorted, right? They live, they, oh, we do community listening, right? And then it goes out of the community and then it comes back down like three years later when everything has changed and it just messes everything up. So I think the key is to reverse that flow. We got to get our smart kids to want to stay in the community. We need the resources to flow from Johnson County. I'm just going to, you know, generalize back into Windup. You know, so this idea of a makerspace and recycling out in Johnson County, they're throwing a lot of stuff away and, and and they're throwing it away because they just wanted a new one. It ain't broken. And we had the same situation in Patterson. So we we were collecting all this like practically brand new clothes, beautiful stuff. And even Marcus Saks Fifth Avenue. And we were collecting all this furniture that people were just downsizing. So they had to get rid of. Right. And we would bring it down into the community. And like ladies would set up like a store in their apartment. right? They'd come in and buy it from us for five bucks and sell it for 10. And they, they, there was all this furniture. There's a guy with a pickup truck. He'd come in and pick up six or seven pieces of furniture. And then he would go out in the neighborhood and just sell it. Everybody kind of got used to seeing him on Tuesday. Right. And he would, he would go out and do his market research. Hey, what are y'all looking for? And so then when something came in, you know, a table or a bed or a a dresser, I mean, you know, he'd buy it from us for 20 bucks and sell it for 50 bucks, you know. So it's not just in the repair of it. It's in the distribution, the collection of it, which would be a great volunteer activity for some suburban church to go out and gather that stuff up and bring it down. And and we'd have a wholesale place and we could put a lot of retailers out there because people in lower income communities, they, they can't go to the store and pick it up, right? So they need someone to bring it to them. So Uncle Bobby's got a pickup truck. He he can be Amazon. He can be our Amazon. And you know, it's out there with style that know how to sell, right? They can, they can come in and buy our wholesale stuff, and they can set up a little store in their in their apartment or their house.
3: I, I can't help whenever we're talking about this to think about a, one of Jesse Jackson's statements. And I appreciate all of your Martin Luther King comments that you were making. Uh, but to go along with what was happening during that period, Jesse Jackson had that statement about keep hope alive, and I'm telling you, every time I think about what we're talking about doing, that's what I see that is creating. It's causing people that's sitting around going, "What am I going to do?" I mean, you know, my, uh, the day my 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 battery died out on me, sitting out there. What am I going to do? And for people now to have a way to realize they can do things to be able to make that money, that is beautiful. And we need that in our low-income community. Beginning now, understand, this is a beginning. I don't expect someone to be trying to retire from what we're talking about. It might be, but I'm talking about for people to start feeling good about fitting into society with some dignity. That is what I'm pushing from my perspective to work with Diane and them to create that kind of an establishment that people will feel good about being a part of it because they're showing others. People need to be able to show others what you can accomplish and now we finally got a way to catch this group this group that's out there that i quit sc- i'm gonna quit school when i'm 16 and be the next jay-z rapper and now they're 35 and got a woman that they love and some babies and no marketable skills i'm saying we need to be able to reach that person and give them a second chance in life. And that's what this means to me, creating. I know about the makerspace. I had a friend that was doing one up there at KU. And every time the classes would end and students would leave, they left all their junk right there at the school. And they would go into school and get that stuff and bring it out and put it in a place like that.
6: All right. And, and I think... Um... This, this, let, let's bring back in the environmental piece, because the environmental piece, um, keeping waste from the landfill oh, yeah. and um, its impact on the low income community, um, it's it's kind of a double improvement here is that we get to bring in job skills and we also get to address some of the injustices that are happening in the low income community um, in both the environmental crisis and the way that we manage um, uh waste in our society
3: yep and don't negate a workforce see some guy because of this tendency to lo- re rebuild locally because of the failure of the pandemic all that fighting is going over there right now with them goods coming through the canals You know, if we can get manufacturers, which a lot of people in the real world are looking for ways to do that, to build locally, it cuts their expense, it makes things available, we can't go through what we did before, this would be a great place for creating a workforce. The thing that would prevent someone from wanting to get into those kind of situations is who's going to work the job. We don't have any people that we can use as a a force, or workforce. So, If we, as Rick talks about, creates that workplace in such a way that it's exciting for people to want to be there, then that's going to increase their motivation for that workforce. Okay?
5: Well, and a way to get experience. Who doesn't have that complaint that you don't have the experience necessary for some job that you want. So where does that experience come from? This is a great place to get experience, learn business operations, learn how to run a business, not just about making things, but just the whole process of retailing it and getting customers and marketing, right? There's a whole lot of skills that people can pick up in some kind of working together environment that is going to translate into other employment opportunities.
3: Well I told y'all when we started this this was gonna be a good show. I think it's been a fantastic show. Uh my 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 queen has up her two fingers. So what I wanna do is to make sure I take the time for you to repeat your your name again. Your contact information. In fact, say that contact information twice. So if they're writing it down, they can make sure they got it right. And that should take up these two minutes we got. Go ahead, uh, uh, Diana. Ladies first.
5: Yes, my name is Diana Bryant, and my email is d.bryant. That's b r y a n t at mark m a r c dot
6: org. Fantastic. Yep. And Mark Hillenbrand, and my email is. M A R K at Hedgegate Hill, H E D G E G A T E H I L L dot com. All
3: right, gay. I appreciate you. Thank you for what you've done. Rick, I would be giving them your information, but nobody would be chasing you down in Dallas. Uh, enjoy yourself. It's been a good show. I appreciate y'all listening in. And like I said, if you know someone, Have them get in touch with us. If they can't get the two numbers that was left, have them get in touch with KKFI. Thank you. Thank
5: you. you.
7: Hello, KKFI listeners. This is David Barsamian of Alternative Radio. Beginning January 24th, AR is moving to Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Don't miss a single edition of Alternative Radio at 90.1 FM on your dial and KKFI.org. And thanks for supporting Community Radio KKFI.
0: KKFI is now posting new content every day to our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So be sure to like and follow your community radio station on social media at KKFI901FM. And thanks for supporting this station since 1988. My name is Darnell. At the end of our radio hour, here's some environmental news for the week of January 15, 2024. Democracy Now! reports Norwegian lawmakers voted to allow deep sea mining despite widespread warnings and condemnation from scientists and environmentalists. Norway says seabed exploitation could help power an economy less reliant on fossil fuels. One of the Earth's remaining untouched habitats. The deep sea contains raw minerals including cobalt, zinc, and gold. Under Norway's new plans, companies will have to apply for exploration licenses and exploitation permits. The Environmental Justice Foundation called the decision a black mark on Norway's reputation as a responsible ocean state, adding, we know little about the deep ocean but we know enough to be sure that mining it will wipe out unique wildlife, disturb the world's largest carbon store, and do nothing to speed the transition to clean economies. In late July 2023, the International Seaboard Authority announced it will not issue any extraction permits for deep sea mining until it finalizes its mining regulation, and it indicated they might not not be completed until 2025. Inside Climate News reports, advocates and environmental groups welcomed the Environmental Protection Agency's January 11, 2024 proposal to impose stricter pollution limits on large trash incinerators, but they cautioned that the new standards if implemented would not eliminate the public health risks caused by toxic pollutants such as lead, mercury, and dioxin that these facilities are known to emit in abundance. The EPA said that the proposed standards would apply to 57 facilities located across the nation with the capacity to burn more than 250 tons of trash a day. Nearly 4 million Americans live within three miles of these large facilities, which are disproportionately located in low-income communities and communities of color. At the same time, there are no waste incinerators in Kansas or Missouri. A Minnesota utility company, Xcel Energy, is swapping coal for solar. It's like taking 780,000 cars off the road in terms of greenhouse gas emission. A massive coal plant in Becker, Minnesota, is building a 710 megawatt solar farm. There's evidence to help explain how nanoplastic and microplastics are in our blood, in our intestines, and in some of our organs. Two studies shed alarming light on all the tiny plastic particles that humans are consuming every day. A liter of bottled water may contain nearly a quarter million pieces of the smallest particles of plastic. These nanoplastic particles are so small that some make their way into human blood and placenta fluid. The bottled water study done by researchers at Columbia and Rutgers University was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. The journal Environmental Pollution published a paper from scientists at the University of Toronto and the Ocean Conservancy, which found that nearly 90% of 16 different kinds of proteins commonly eaten by people, including seafood, chicken, beef, and even plant-based meat alternatives such as tofu and veggie burgers contain microplastics. Azerbaijan has selected its ecological minister, a former executive at the country's state-run oil company, to lead the United Nations flagship climate conference, COP29, in 2024. There is a fierce debate over the role the fossil fuel industry should play in global climate talks. UN officials confirmed the appointment of Mukhtar Babayev as the COP29 president. It's the second year in a row that an oil industry veteran will oversee the negotiation which aims to slash climate warming, carbon emissions, and transition away from fossil fuels. It's also the second consecutive year that the talks will be hosted by a petrol state, a country whose economy is heavily reliant on producing oil and gas. Sustainability Action Newsletter reports. Setting net zero emissions as a target for 2050 is vague and almost meaningless. F, an absolute reduction in emission is not specified. It's simply a concept masquerading as an objective. Governments should insist on absolute reductions with no carbon offsets. Carbon offsets don't require a reduction in emission. They just have to be balanced by a program that claims to draw carbon out of the the air. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. Please tune in again next week or listen to our podcast at any time.
3: Thank you for listening to ECO Radio KC on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. ECO Radio is brought to you each week by a team of collaborators, including me, Craig Lugo, Terry Wilking, Brent Rysdale, Bob Grove, and Dave Mitchell.
4: The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not of KKFI and or the Midcoast Media Project. You can find our calendar and a podcast of each show on ECO Radio KC's Facebook page, as well as on our show page at kkfi.org.
3: This is Richard Magian, and you can send inquiries and comments to our email at kkfi.org forward slash contact or message us on our Facebook page. Up next
4: is Fiesta Musical, followed by Noche Magica. Our outro music
3: is Big Yellow Taxi by Jody Mitchell.
1: Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone?